You're listening to a sermon from LifeGate Church of Seguin, Texas. This sermon was preached by Joshua Jordan, who serves as the lead pastor at LifeGate Church. Find out more about us at www.lifegateseguin.com. If you have a Bible with you, you will make your way to the Gospel according to Luke chapter 5. Gospel according to Luke chapter 5. Our text for this morning's sermon is verses 12 through 16. If you're a guest with us this morning, we are making our way through the Gospel of Luke in a series we've entitled From the Manger to the Throne. And we are simply picking up where we left off. Last week, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. I want to invite you now to follow along as I read God's holy, inspired, and authoritative word. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest And make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he withdrew to desolate places and pray. Let us now pray together and ask the Lord. For his help as we hear him address us. Oh Lord, as we just sang a minute ago, you are our hope in life and in death. We know what's at stake when we come in here on Sunday mornings. We are not just having a religious ceremony. We are claiming the truths, Lord, that are the most important truths that life and death and eternity hang in the balance. And so, Lord, would, would you give us a sobriety now as we turn to your word that we are aware that you are addressing us and that you're a good shepherd who loves to care for your sheep and you now want to lead us and feed us and protect us through the preaching of your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and minds that comprehend And Lord, by the preaching of your word, may you transform us into the likeness and image of Christ. Lord, we we now need your help, the help of the Holy Spirit. I need your help. I want to be an instrument, not an obstacle. Lord, would you help me by the power of the Spirit? And for all of us, we, we need ears to hear. May the Spirit of God help us to hear your voice and to obey 
what you say to us. Father, may you be glorified. May your church be built up. And may those who do not know you be drawn to you and come to saving faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the year 1816, a prominent French doctor in Paris was treating a patient whom he believed was suffering from what he called a diseased heart, and she was in dire need of his help. But due to her physical condition, he was unable to listen to her heart by using the conventional medical procedures of the day. So here he is, knowing this woman has a diseased heart. She is in dire need of my help. But the common practice of that day was not working. So he created a simple, off-the-cuff device to listen to her heart. His invention would revolutionize modern medicine. Dr. Bob Cattillo describes it this way. Remembering some principles of acoustics, this doctor rolled up a sheaf of paper into a cylinder, placed one end on his patient's chest, and put his ear to the other. And for the first time, he heard the augmented sounds of a heartbeat transmitted along the length of the tube. And the stethoscope was born. Today, the stethoscope is one of those instruments we equate with medical professionals. When we see a stethoscope wrapped around the neck of someone, we immediately know what profession they are in. That is an iconic instrument and tool for medicine. As you know, a stethoscope is a device which a doctor sticks the earpieces into his ear, takes the other side of the instrument, either places it on the chest or the back of his patient, allowing the, the doctor or the nurse to either hear their heartbeat or to listen to the patient's breathing. A stethoscope is an indispensable tool of medicine. And yet, yet it all began with some paper being rolled up and placed between the chest of the patient and the ear of the doctor. When I think about the gospel of Luke, and we come to passages like today, I imagine these passages in our Bible functioning like a stethoscope. These pages in our Bible, not only do they allow us to hear our own heartbeat, and we're going to, as the days go ahead, we're, we're going to hear how things function within us, but the gospel according to Luke allows us most importantly to hear the heartbeat of Christ. That's what stories like this story before us is here for. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to come to other folks that are going to encounter Jesus. Today, a leper. Next passage, a paralytic. The next passage, a tax collector. And they're all going to meet Jesus, and they're going to be transformed by him. And by observing his interaction with these individuals, we're going to get to know the heart of that's why these stories are here. They're not just simply miracle stories, healing stories. They're meant 
to be placed here for our benefit so that we too can know the heart of Christ. Or let me change my metaphors for just a moment. Think of these three stories this week's and the following two stories of the paralytic and the calling of a tax collector. Think of them as three photos in a slideshow. Soon, our, our oldest is going to graduate from high school in just a few weeks. And we just got an email this week letting us know the pictures that are due for the slideshow for the senior graduation are due. And so we're thinking about what pictures do you put in this senior slideshow? Well, think of this picture today and then the following two pictures of Jesus interacting with the paralytic and the tax collectors as pictures in this slideshow. And when we do, we, 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 we clearly begin to see who Christ really is. In his excellent book, Gentle and Lowly, Dane Ortland, he asked the following question. When we take the Gospels as a whole and consider the composite picture given to us of who Jesus is, what stands out most strongly? So think about, it, think about that again. When we take the Gospels as a whole, and we consider the composite picture given to us of who Jesus is, what stands out most strongly? He goes on to say this. The dominant note left ringing in our ears after reading the Gospels. The most vivid and arresting element of the portrait is the way that the Holy Son of God moves towards, touches, heals, embraces, and forgives those who least deserve it, yet truly desire it. That's the story of not only Luke's gospel, but of Matthew, Mark, and John. In our passage today, Jesus is approached by a man with a severe skin disease who would have been considered unclean by Old Testament law. And how Jesus treated this man living on the margins of society and what he does for him, it's recorded here in Holy Scripture for our good, for our benefit, for our instruction. If you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. We're going to break this passage down into two sections. We're going to see the willingness of Christ to cleanse, verses 12 through 13. And the ability of Christ to carry out his mission, verses 14 through 16. Let's look at the willingness of Christ to cleanse. And let's go back to verse 12 again. Luke informs us, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will. You can make me clean. So much is being communicated right there by Luke. And the first thing I want to point out is the type of man that came to Jesus. We're told he's full of leprosy. Luke is very descriptive in his gospel more than the other gospel writers he tells us not only did this man have this serious skin disease, but he's covered in it. That's what it means by full of it. He is covered in this 
disease. He had a serious skin disease. And according to the law of Moses, people like this were considered unclean and therefore had to live outside of the community of faith. Listen to these words from Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has this disease. He is unclean and he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. Now, time does not permit to explain all of why this was part of the law of Moses. But think about what we just heard. How is this man with leprosy to be viewed? Stephen Whitmer describes it this way. Lepers were instructed to act like funeral mourners because they were mourning their own condition, which was a kind of living death. So if you get the imagery, why they were to wear their clothes this way and their hair this way, that's what mourners did. So not only were they dressing this way to be a sign that they were unclean, that their very posture was like a funeral mourner. He goes on to say they were ritually unclean. They were required to stay outside the camp, cut off from the community, and from God's holy presence in the tabernacle. Now consider this leper again. Here is a man who is viewed by all as the walking dead. That's the picture we're to get. He is the walking dead. And this man who lived on the margin of society and has been isolated from the community. That's the picture we're to get. This isn't simply, here's a man with a sickness and Jesus heals him. Luke records this story about this man who is living as a dead man, isolated, living on the margins of society, isolated from community until he received word that Jesus had come to town. Most likely, as we have seen in Luke's gospel, the news of what Jesus was doing had spread. This guy's probably heard of Jesus' healing power, so when Jesus arrives, he approaches him. And notice the way in which he comes to Jesus. Notice this. He fell down on his face and begged him. He fell down on his face and begged him. This man was desperate. This man was desperate and had nothing to lose, so he humbled himself before Jesus and he made his request known. And pay very careful attention to the request. Notice what he does say. If you will. If you will. And notice what else he said. He calls Jesus Lord. So he's not coming to Jesus thinking he's just a good teacher. Then all of a sudden Jesus heals him and he says, you're the Lord. He knows he's the Lord. And notice what he doesn't say. Not only does he call him Lord, he says, you can heal me. 
He's clear who this man is. He's the Lord and he can. The question is, will he? That's the heart of his question. In other words, here's what this man is asking Jesus. Do you do this sort of thing for people like me? He's not questioning the ability of Christ. He's questioning the heart of Christ. I get you can do it. But do you do it for people like me? That's the question. Do you desire to make me clean? That's what the word will means. Do you desire this? And notice what else he says. He says, will you make me clean? He doesn't just say, would you heal me? See, by using that word clean, there's all kinds of spiritual connotations and things steeped in Old Testament language. See, this guy isn't just sick. He doesn't just have an irritating skin problem. He doesn't just have a social problem. This man has a problem that he wants to be made right with the people of God again. See, his, his desire isn't just to get physical healing. His desire is to be right with the people of God and with God. That's why he uses the word cleansing. And look what happens then after he falls down, makes this request in verse 13. We're told, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now listen, it's imperative that we not lose sight of the shocking actions of Jesus. Think about it. He could have just spoken. He could have just said from a distance, which is what lepers were to do. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're clean. But it says he reached out and touched him. Now, listen, we got to get ourselves in the right frame of mind. Everyone seeing Jesus do this, and everyone in the original audience reading Luke's gospel would have yelled, No! Don't do it! Don't! Why? Several reasons. One of the reasons these people were often isolated was because of how contagious they were. But most importantly, according to the law of Moses, if a devout Jew did anything, touched anything, touched anyone that was unclean, they themselves would become unclean. No matter who you are, the king, a priest, it worked that way. Here are unclean things. If you touch them, if you interact with them, you are unclean, period. Not so with Jesus. Don't miss this. Not only would the original audience have been shocked that Jesus touched him, they would have been shocked that the reverse happens. Jesus doesn't touch this man and he become unclean. He touches this man and this man becomes clean. Do you see the power of Jesus on display? And listen to what Jesus said to this man. As he touches him, I will. I will be clean. 
Do you remember the man's question? His question wasn't, can you? His question is, do you do stuff like that for people like me? And Jesus reaches out and said, absolutely. <laughs> I do. I will. See, Jesus made it abundantly clear to this man, yes, yes, I desire to cleanse you. So Jesus was saying to him, I will not push you away or cast you aside. Your disease and your uncleanliness, they don't scare me. Now, as I reflected on this story this week, there were several times I just sat back and asked myself this question. It made me wonder, how many people have this same sort of question about Jesus today? Does Jesus help people like me? I'm not questioning, can he? But the unclean people like me, does he turn up his nose? Does he look the other way? Does he say, clean yourself up? Or does he have a heart for them? Another question. Do we, as a church, as God's people, do we speak about Jesus to those who are unchurched in such a way that they know the heart of Jesus? If people were to listen to you and I talk about our Savior, would they walk away and say, Savior? He's not just able, he's willing to make me right. People know the heart of Jesus for those who are living on the margins of society and on the margins of church community. Last question. Do you have this view of Jesus? I mean, if we were to put down our Sunday morning best face, Sunday school answers, we know the, the simple song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But do we really believe that? Do we really believe he has a heart for us or does he just tolerate us? If we come to him with all of our dirtiness and filthiness and mess, we say, would you? Do we know without a doubt he would say absolutely? Without any hesitation. Are you convinced that Jesus isn't turned off or intimidated by your uncleanness? Now look carefully at this story and listen carefully to hear Jesus' heartbeat for people in need. That's why this passage is here. We're to look carefully, we're to listen carefully, and we're to hear the heartbeat of the Savior. Now, we're told at the end of verse 13 that after Jesus touches this man, tells them, I will be clean instantly, instantly. The leprosy is gone. 
See, Jesus is not only willing to cleanse him, he has the power to do so. That brings us to our second point. Verses 14 through 16, Christ's ability to carry out his mission. Let me read these verses again. Luke tells us that after Jesus did this, he charged him to tell no one, but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he withdrew to desolate places and prayed. Now, what's with this? Anytime we're reading our Bible, we should always ask this question. You're aware that every gospel writer is telling you the story in in the most abbreviated details. So when they're telling us something, we should say, why did Luke just enclose this? Why not just end the story? This man comes to Jesus, ask him, will you? Jesus touches him, heals him. I will be clean. Next story. Why why verses 14 through 16? What's, What's going on here? Why does Jesus command this man to tell no one? I mean, Jesus is a wonderful opportunity. You should capitalize on this. He tells him, don't don't go telling everyone. And then why tell us that he was to go and show himself to the priest? And then why, why in this passage by telling us that when the crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed by him, he withdraws to a desolate place to pray. What's he communicating? What's what's Luke's point? What's he trying to say about Jesus and this cleansing? Well, here's what we see. Jesus is not only willing to cleanse the unclean, he's able to fulfill the mission. That's the point that Luke is seeking to make in these Three verses. Jesus is not only willing to cleanse the unclean, he's able to fulfill the mission. See, the reason for the call to silence on behalf of the man who was cleansed of leprosy and the reason for Jesus withdrawing to a desolate place to pray has to do with the mission of Jesus. We've talked about this in the past weeks, but what we see is Jesus didn't care to be popular. He didn't come to be a faith healer. He didn't come to be a celebrity Christian communicator. He came to fulfill his mission to seek and save the lost. He came to deliver people from bondage and to restore people to God. That is why he came. And Jesus is going to fulfill his mission. And we see that most clearly in verse 14. This is the key phrase that gets at the mission of Jesus. When we hear Jesus say to this man, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Let me explain why Jesus' words here are significant. Notice what they emphasize. They emphasize the law of Moses. They emphasize the law. Think about what Jesus has told this man to do. Several things. Go do what the law commands. Go and testify to a priest about the one who can do what the law cannot do. Go and make a sacrifice to the Lord for him restoring you and for restoring you to his people as the law commands. Now, a minute ago, I quoted from Leviticus 13. 
But if you were to read Leviticus 14, what it does is it lays out steps that were to be taken by a person and by the priest. When someone had leprosy and no longer had leprosy, what do they do? What do they do to be cleansed? What do they do to be restored? And what we discover when we read these verses in light of the Old Testament, which by the way, little little freebie here, that's how we're supposed to read these stories. Everything Jesus is doing, the original audience is understanding it in light of the Old Testament. They're seeing what Jesus is doing and they're, they're making the connections. They're making the connection with Leviticus 13 and 14. And what Jesus did when he touches this leper and cleansed him, it goes far beyond what the law of Moses articulated. You see, the law could only tell you what to do once you were cleansed, but the law could not make you well. You see the point? Hey, once you're well, here's what you do. Jesus comes along and says, I can do what the law cannot do. You are clean. Instantaneously does what the law cannot do. See, by touching this man and healing this man and sending him to the priest for examination, Jesus was demonstrating that he could do what the law could never do. See, Jesus will continue to do this. He will demonstrate his ability to do what the law cannot do. For example, in chapter 8, we're to fast forward. In chapter 8, Jesus is going to encounter a woman who's hemorrhaging and has seen all kinds of doctors and is in dire need and no one can help her. And you know what? She's cleansed when the woman touches him. You know what the very next story is? There is... A child, a girl who is dead. And Jesus raises her from the dead. And you know what he does? He takes her by the hand and tells her to rise. Now, why is that significant? Because once again, how would the Old Testament community understand this? Listen to Numbers chapter 5. In Numbers chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we hear these Words. Now think about what we're reading today and what's going to come in chapter 8. Numbers chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous, has a discharge, and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. <laughs> you see what Jesus is doing? When he touches the leper, when the lady who's hemorrhaging touches him, And when he touches the dead girl, he could have just told her, get up. But he touches her. And in all three situations, guess what happens? Jesus doesn't become unclean. The leper is made clean. The woman who cannot be helped is healed. And the dead girl doesn't make Jesus unclean. She gets life. It's clear What Jesus is doing here. Do you see the portrait Luke is painting of Jesus? Jesus came to fulfill the law. Not by simply obeying it. Jesus came to fulfill the law by doing what the law could never do. That's the overwhelming point of this passage. Jesus is fulfilling the law. Not just by keeping it. But by doing what the law never do. And church, the greatest demonstration 
of Jesus' ability to cleanse the unclean takes place when he makes his way to Jerusalem and he's crucified on our behalf. That's his greatest demonstration. When Jesus dies on the cross as the perfect sacrifice and as our great high priest. Think, think about what's written right here in verse 14. We can miss it, but it's filled with gospel. Go show yourself to the priest and make a sacrifice. Guess what Jesus did that we're celebrating this week? He became the sacrifice, and because of his sacrifice, he becomes the eternal forever high priest. See, Jesus isn't just keeping the law. Jesus is doing what the law could never do. No more sacrifices necessary. No more offerings are necessary. No more priests are necessary because Jesus has become the perfect sacrifice, the eternal priest. See, Jesus fulfills the law by dying in our place. The law's demands were satisfied by Jesus so that you and I could be cleansed and forgiven and so that we, like the leper, can be restored. This is the mission of Jesus, friends. This is the heart of Jesus on display. So what do we do with this passage? Besides just marvel at the Savior. Well, there are probably many things we could take away. I just want to mention a few. Here's the first one. As I was taking time reflecting on this passage and praying over this passage and praying for you, I felt like this question kept coming to my mind. It may not apply to everyone, but in a room this size, there are some. The Lord wants you to hear this question. What's your leprosy? What's your moral, spiritual leprosy? What is that shameful thing in your life or your past that causes you to, be, to feel unfit to be among the people of God? I would imagine that there are things that we are currently doing or have done that makes us feel like this leper. Makes us feel isolated, ashamed, it's kept us from pursuing the Lord and his people. Maybe you haven't lived on the margins of society, but you feel like you live on the margins of the church community because you think if anybody ever knew. Jesus knows. And not only is he willing to cleanse you, he's able. And I know it goes against everything in us that wants us to stay quiet, to keep, keep this stuff to ourselves. But let us learn from the posture of this man. Let us come like the leper. Let us throw ourselves on our face and say, Lord, would you make me clean? Here's another question we need to ask ourselves. Are there people around you who feel like lepers among the people of God. 
whether co-workers or family members or friends, it would say, I would never darken the door of a church. Because of their moral leprosy, their spiritual leprosy, they think, I, I could never be among the people of God. Church, God is calling you and I to tell them the good news about Jesus. He's willing and he's able to cleanse and to welcome them into his kingdom. I love these words from commentator Tom Schreiner as he closes out this section. He wrote the following. We see here a remarkable instance of God's love in Jesus Christ. One who is unclean. One whom others shun. One who is full of shame is touched and healed by Jesus Christ. And he says, no one is too dirty or filthy to come to Jesus to receive forgiveness. He cleanses what defiles and embraces us and makes us new. And if the Lord receives us, those who are dirty and defiled in our sin, then we should extend the same mercy and love to all people everywhere. Those whom society or our religious communities view is especially disgusting should be warmly invited to the Savior for cleansing and acceptance. Jesus invited all to be saved. Tax collectors, lepers, Sinners and Pharisees. <laughs> Praise God. So let's be clear about the message of the gospel as we celebrate Palm Sunday. The reason Jesus came to earth and the reason he made his way to Jerusalem to be crucified was to make unclean people clean. And the greatest example of that question, is he willing, doesn't come here in this passage. The greatest demonstration that convinces us that Jesus is willing to make us clean is the cross of Christ. Do you have that question this morning? Is he willing? Look no further than Golgotha. Why is he hanging there? The perfect lamb. The innocent son of God. He's done nothing wrong. He's holy. He's perfect. Why is he there? To loudly say to you and I, I am willing. I can make you clean. Friends, that is what we're celebrating this week. So as we make our way through Holy Week, may we not lose sight of what the cross proclaims to us, a Savior who's willing to make us clean. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we needed to hear that good news. Thank you. Thank you for bringing us here this morning. To speak loudly over our hearts. I'm willing. Lord help us to receive it now. There may still be some here this morning. That say I know that's what the Bible says. But. 
oh Lord, would you just help them to see the heart of the Savior. You are willing and able to do what we cannot do on our, on our own. Lord, all you ask us to do is to come to you. To be desperate before you. And Lord, you will make everything that has been so wrong. You will make it right. And you will restore us to yourself. Father, we love you. And we are amazed at how you love us. May we live in the good of your love, not only today, but throughout this week. May you help us as we focus on the cross this week to do so with these truths we've heard today in our minds and in our hearts. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, church, isn't that good news? I love... It's one of the things...